Hello, I'm Oliver Sykes, and welcome back to Season 7, Episode 6 of Politibabble. Or at least what we think is Episode 6. Yes, and of course I am joined by my usual co-host, Archibald Elliott. Thank you, Oliver. And we've also got a guest on today, by all chance. Yes, our first male guest in a in a while, and um, yes. yes, we're we're lucky to be joined by Luke Ennett. Hello, Luke. Hello, Oliver. How are we? I'm all right, thank you. Very good. Was well, that a classic case of Oliver's sexism showing through by mentioning uh, sex there? I was just noting the fact that we haven't had a male guest in a while. Um, it just shows that we 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 have a wide range of uh, of gender on the podcast. Oh, I'm not sure if it shows wide or not, but anyway, yes. Well, welcome, welcome to the podcast, Luke. See, we've got the fabulous uh, topic. Actually, no. Before we get onto that, Luke kindly reminded us before the podcast episode we must simply ask the single most important question of any of our guests. If you were a cake, Luke, what cake would you be? Now, that's a very interesting question, Archibald. And I've, I've been uh, doing some thinking, and you quite rightly informed me that a donut does not count as a cake. So, um, within this relatively short span of time, I've uh, came to the conclusion that I am a Victoria sponge cake. Wow, a Victoria sponge cake. And why would that be, you know? Why would that be? Well, Victoria sponge cakes, they're not really um, that presentable from the outside, you know. Um, but as you dig deeper, um, you find that nice thin layer of jam. And I think that describes me because... Um, because, you know, some people might not see me as, you know, a very interesting person from the outside but once you get to know me you reach that small layer of jam for which is my personality and um how i how i i think i can be quite a little bit of fun yes and you got a bit of cream in there as well as well don't you yes that that jam and the cream good combination it was a very good very good cake i must say good choice well, of course, you are our, our first uh, male guest since uh, a while back, maybe February, March, when we had um, Andrew Langer-Newton on. And funny enough, you both have something in common. Uh, Andrew went to the Commonwealth Youth Parliament, and I suppose the exciting thing, and one of the reasons why we got you on, I've been meaning to do it for a while, is that you'll be going to the Commonwealth Youth Parliament uh, in in uh, in the next few weeks, how long is it away? We'll get onto it in more, but uh, but how far is it away? I think three weeks, right. but don't quote me on that. Have I, they given um, you dates? Yes, um, you're going to. Well, I, I know I said I was going to leave it to later, but if you the people are dying to find out a bit more, but we'll we will leave it to later. You're going to Trinidad and Trinidad and Tobago. Ah, very nice. Um, it'll be warm there. Is that the Caribbean? Is it? Near? Um, yeah. I believe it's in rainy season, but it would definitely will be warm. Question is, will it be warmer than the studio we're in? Probably not. Oh, well, it is, it's rather toasty here of the uh, broadcasting house this yes. evening. The, the second week running, there's been no air conditioning, so I do hope you find more of that in the faraway, faraway place that is Trinidad and Tobago. 
Well, it says without further ado, we, we shimmy along to our main topic of uh, this evening's discussion. We're recording very oddly on a Saturday evening of all things. We usually. On Hopchune weekend. Indeed. So we saw all the cars flood into Douglas, the capital, on the way in. The city. Into, it's, oh, it's a city now, isn't it? Yes, I do forget. It looks very much... It, it, it's changed overnight since being awarded city status. It suddenly no longer looks like a town, but it looks like a city. So, yes, we're on to the topic of zero-hour contracts. And as we usually do in roundtable discussions, which we have obviously so very many of, do you think it's of use? Do you think that zero-hour contracts are a good thing? And I'll turn to you first, Luke. Well... I think it depends on the context. Say, um, myself, I'm on a zero-hour contract. And for me and many other young people my age, that is, I wouldn't say the perfect way, but it's um, the most practical way of employment for, um, you know, balancing around studying and your social life. Yeah. I, I agree completely there. I'm I'm likewise on a zero hour contract and um I um I, I, I agree with you that my only my only one sort of gripe with it is obviously it's great because you know you're not fixed or anything, but it probably is annoying for employers at a certain time, especially with young people, that they have young people free at a lot at the same time. But there's not a very even spread you know so potentially i don't know young people not really wanting to work early in the mornings so that you know that doesn't really always suit the employer um i can see archie wants to uh interject here oh i was just wondering so do you, do you think that zero contracts are perhaps more beneficial to the employee than the employer well i think after a time so say for example i don't know i was given a Saturday job and that Saturday job was from two o'clock till five o'clock in the evening but then after a while it suited me really well um sometimes it changed sometimes they got me in on a Friday evening then they started trying to get me in on a Saturday morning from seven o'clock in the morning and that did not suit me and it probably doesn't suit a lot of other young people because they don't want to wake up that early so for an employer as much as they, the employer can be flexible, you can be flexible. There's also that little niche point where they want you know they want you, but you know they and that's the one thing is zero hour contracts are great because well because you you're not attached to anything, but also employers are likely to go through people like no tomorrow. But, but that, that's then I suppose the, the youth population of work is probably more prevalent within the yeah, hospitality yeah. and re- retail industry. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But if we go on to the demographic which work in with zero-hour contracts mm. and aren't part of the youth, the young, trendy, millennial, uh, hip-hop, uh, Gen Z, uh, total-eating guardian <laughs> reading, may <laughs> uh, I say, say the anti-growth I... coalition, uh, as, as some might say. I if, knew you were going to say if, that. If they're not part of that. And they're part of the 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 exodus around that, and they're no longer part of the young generation. Do you still think that zero hour contracts are beneficial? Well, I, what, hmm, I'm not entirely sure on that to be honest, because I think that they they are for someone who has a busy as an adult who has a a family. Maybe that's um, a, a lot a lot easier. Uh, for them 
but in some circumstances now i think that um that they're not that yeah i think it's more for someone who has a, a very busy uh schedule who has a lot of things that crop up here and there can't always sort of um that needs to m make um time for family and and that sort of that sort of case but yeah well, there's some interesting statistics published in um, August of this year, on the 11th of August, by the CIPD. If you've not come across the CIPD, it's the Chartered Institute of Professional Development. Uh, and their, their research highlights that actually zero-hour workers were largely more were largely satisfied with their jobs as other workers. So 62% were satisfied or better with their jobs compared to 66% of other employers. But there's a very interesting one here uh, on mental health. They're actually more likely than other workers under this research to think that their work is a positive effect on their physical and mental well-being. So nearly half, about 45% of zero-hour contract workers Throughout, thought their work had a positive effect on their mental health compared to just over a third, roughly 34% of those other workers. So perhaps the zero-hour contracts do have some some sort of benefit in, in the overall term because, again, like we discussed earlier, they have that ability to be more flexible for both the worker and the employer. But there is a issue here. Do you, do you not think that the... Um, lack of employment rights maybe such as sick leave and paid holiday that come with a more standard contract do you think that that's what's what's the term that's uh detrimental to the worker okay i'll go to you first luke well that's that's a very interesting question because uh, as you say with a zero hour contract because you're not entitled to any hours at all you're therefore not entitled to sick pay and holiday pay, etc. Um, uh, the, the question, is it detrimental to them? Mm, I, I was just going to butt in here and say, um, every are they under, are they a zero-hour contract, the parcel company? Because, like, for them, them, in terms of employment, they go, I think they get paid per package kind of thing if they're round i don't really know on their terms of contract but i was just wondering they're an interesting one to look at um because they i'm pretty sure they get hardly any um hot they get but no they holiday should, pay this, no for, for example we've obviously bring sorry to, to interject that. It's yeah, all right. just, did you carry on yeah, <laughs> I, I kind of want to sway a little bit with what Oliver's saying, yeah. you know, as, as well as the parcel people, uh, food app delivery, such as in the UK, Deliveroo, mm. you're technically not an employee of Uber or Deliveroo. Um, I, I, I haven't actually looked into the details of it, but you are essentially self-employed. Well, you're, you're, it... so it's generally you're a subcontractor to the, to the mm. large company. Mm. I'm not sure. I'll have to look uh, deeper into it. But obviously we have to bring in politics somehow to, to this. So yes. there was some talk. I um, can't remember which Labour MPs won about it. It's one, one of them in the party, obviously, and it's probably a whole grouping of them, where they wanted to remove this zero-hour contract culture that exists in the country. And they were uh, quite a large of amount of outspoken against, for example, the likes of Mike, Mark, Mark Ashley, who defended... Uh, Sports Directs 
in company I won't say anything on it uh, their, their zero hour contract schemes do you think that the governments the legislature as such should be doing more to work on this for people but let's remove the youth demographic for this uh, but for those just in the general working environment well first of all uh, probably one of the only times I'll ever be able to correct uh, Archibald it's I, I believe it's Mike Ashley not Mark <laughs> Ashley Um <laughs> So, well, I believe, like, governments, especially over here, they're partaking in uh, distributing zero-hour contracts. See, we had the um, the test centre, the COVID test centre at the grandstand, all their stuff, zero-hour contracts. Mm. Um, I believe... I think it was the same with the COVID one 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 line stuff yes. as well. A lot of a lot of the COVID workers. Yeah, but should the government be doing things to tackle that? To tackle the the usage of yes. Um, that that's a tricky question because so many people, such as parents, they rely on zero hour contracts so they can, um, you know, for example, do the score run in the morning and the afternoons. So the, the government stepping in to say, hey, we don't want zero hour contracts anymore. I think that would be detrimental to some uh, some people's you know daily lives because so, so many jobs that y y y y you say you use the term low skilled, uh, low skilled jobs, they all use zero hour contracts and um, to, I, I wouldn't to, say all of them use zero hour no, contracts. I, I wouldn't there's, say there's, all. There, there's, a, there's a large proportion, even if you look in retail, it depends what you class low skill as. Um, there's plenty of jobs where they, they still want a contract because contracts were more of the common thing. You had a contract, you work so many hours a week, you have a pension, and all of that rigmarole which comes with it. But if, if we're looking at it without the right to a contract, per se, if I was arguing against your point there, uh, notwithstanding of my own personal views on the matter, but with that contract comes things like holiday pay. It comes things like sick pay. Do you think these are important things for the population to have access to? Because there's plenty of people who are sidelined onto a zero-hour contract and could be on, for example, a fixed uh, contract, fixed-hour contract. Yes, well, I believe that um, both holiday and sick pay, they... I'm going to say they're a fundamental human right. See... We have countries like Sweden, they're embracing um, holiday pay because I believe in Sweden, many people, they take a whole month off work to um, explore the natural environment. Um, I, I, there's a term, I can't, I, I don't know the term, um, but it's encouraged and um, it, it just shows that having holiday pay and also sick pay, it has absolutely um massive effects on the boost of uh of um people's mental health uh which I, I know contradicts the statement you said before in the statistics of zero hour contracts the people having higher mental no, health he didn't say they had higher mental health he thought that mm. their work benefited their benefited yeah. their mental health more than others i stand corrected so uh, but you, you mentioned there that holiday and sick pay should be a fundamental human right correct 
Yes. But you've argued before that zero-hour contracts are useful and their government shouldn't necessarily be moving people away from that. So wouldn't that contradict with your statement? Because zero-hour contracts can't have holiday and sick pay paid for the employee because the the person could be sick, but they might not be working any hours that week because they didn't choose to take up a shift. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say it contradicts my statement because... With zero-hour contracts, many of um, many employees, well, you know, the company is not entitled to pay them um, a yearly salary, which that then therefore falls back on the government through um, benefits, which we'll speak on later with the welfare state. Um, but it's it's difficult to. <laughs> Can I can I butt yes. in here? Uh, uh, please, just please, talking please. on the matter of sort of <laughs> pay and work. Well, not not really pay, but working conditions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, there's been a, a poll carried out in the Isle of Man, Jersey and Guernsey, and has found strong support for an introduction of a four-day working week. The research was carried out by Ireland Global Research and found that 73% of respondents favoured such a move, with 51% expressing strong support the survey found that 80 percent of females who took part were in a favor of potential change and the figure was lower among male respondents at 66 percent um so i think that's that's interesting in the terms of sort of uh you're talking about zero hour contracts and how sort of holiday and all that kind of works but you know in terms of people on regular um sort of X amount, forty-five hours. But, but once, weeks, once they're on a regular, weeks. once they're on a regular contract, mm. there is a statutory requirement yeah. for them to have holiday and sick mm. pay, both on the books, yeah. on, on, on the law books. But 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 what I'm trying to say is, with this um, four-day week thing, you know, they've talked about people being a lot more productive, uh, it being obviously better for businesses, it would sort of streamline them a bit more, make them more efficient. I was just really wondering, what's what's everyone's sort of thoughts on the matter of a four-day week? I think it'd be terrific. <laughs> Yeah, but but it, it can't it can't necessarily fit in with the idea of it. I I I I disagree that a four-way week is the best because it depends where where do you take that fifth day where where do you take that fifth day away from? Do you take it away from Friday? Do you take it away from Monday? Do you put it in midweek? Because then the distance between, especially if you look at something like the financial markets, the distance is currently the markets are purely closed on the weekend. Mm. You move that five-day week, there's less time for, for trading almost. Do work longer hours than the other days because some jobs require hours. They require the length of time being done. It's not merely a matter of being more productive. You can mm. be as productive as you like, but you still have a task which takes maybe, four, maybe 35 hours could, a week. But maybe, I know, if you're, if you're so worried about the financial markets, then potentially why didn't people still work a... People that half the staff work one of the days that everyone else is not working and then so say they have the monday off but they work the friday and then the next week they have the friday off but they work the month you know what i mean like that but there's plenty of jobs oliver which purely require one to clock in the hours you put in the timestamps and you do 35 hours a week is what your contract is you're not contracted necessarily depending on your contract whether you work monday and friday monday to friday but you could work all of late hours into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and do half day Friday, or leave early on a Friday. Those are plenty of work into the contracts. Mm. But we're just we're discussing the the fact of uh, well, I pose the same question to you. Do you believe paid holiday and sick leave should be a fundamental human right? As I think Luke put it earlier. Uh, yes, I do. I do believe that. But you believe in a zero hour contract existing, which surely 
supersedes this idea. It surely contradicts it wor- this idea. Well, it only works in certain cases. It only works in certain cases, really, the zero-hour contract for young people, for people that aren't in need of... For, for, for people that aren't looking for that many hours, for people that are looking for more hours. So would, then... you, would, you, would you not then support zero-hour contracts for those over that at, at age of, of youth? Well, I'd, I'd propose for them to look for a... to, to have a, a full contract, um, but I don't... Th- I, I think in the means of you're looking at people with families and et cetera, et cetera, who need that... that the, the holidays, the, the the sick pay and stuff like that, it's not necessarily going to be the best idea to be on a zero-hour contract because you're not guaranteed... But that... but we, we agree, if something is a fundamental human right, it must be afforded to every human being. We I think it's... a fundamental human right to uh, free, free, freedom of speech. We see the fundamental human rights which are put in to the UN statute book, mm. which we agree to. Uh, the, the freedom to pri- the the right to private property is what is one example. So if we're adding within those fundamental human rights, as you've put, the right to paid holiday and the right to sick pay, it would supersede that idea of a zero out contract. Rights aren't merely applicable and non-applicable. It's much like you treating zero out contract yeah, workers the same as prisoners by saying I'm, I'm you deny saying... you the right to your freedom uh, of movement. Okay, so it's also kind of that means tested approach so for someone like me so rights should be mean tested over them no no i'm not saying that i'm saying that I, i'm not saying that thank you very much and um, <laughs> saying thank you very much that will make my point a lot clearer um what i'm saying is is for for it only it, i don't know maybe the person who is on a zero contract who has got a family that is ill who's not very well will end up having to go find a new job or get a, a contract that, that suits them um, so yeah. would you withdraw your statement about <laughs> sick pay and um, holiday pay being a fundamental human right what did it, what was the sick pay and holiday pay being a fundamental human right they are yeah we've both purported but where would you again if we were to delve further into first the rights issue if you unless you want to discuss something else where would you set that holiday limit because you you do um if you put it in the rights it's fundamental human right it applies to everyone globally it's fundamental human right it's not a british citizen's right it's a human right in the whole so would you for example pay them have much per day and the statutory limits the same to every country well every country yeah, I, I. Or would you say that they simply have to have some sort of sick pay, so I could choose to pay them a nominal one pence a day sick pay? How would we we sort of legislate for this? I'm not entirely sure. Oh, have we had a power. No, just the no, no, just, out. The, the power yeah. cut, Oliver. We wouldn't. We'd no longer be recording. So oh well. Sonorous maybe we, maybe I might pull the pull the cord. Um, I don't know. I'll spin the question back round to you because that's but how I do spin on these. Spin the issues. question back round to me. Well, I I don't believe it can be a fundamental human right to okay. have um both sick pay and holiday pay with the amount of various contracts we have and the, again the uh, i believe there's there's an importance to a zero hour contract in the economy because some people utilize it very specifically but if you have a zero hour contract you can't then have fundamental sick pay and holiday pay as a human right it can be in the statute books for those on a fixed term contract or if it's just a fixed hours contract and it's already in the statute books you have a statutory sick pay and there's a statutory amount of days that have to be taken on holiday. And some would argue that 
in the UK, we're incredibly generous in our legislation like that. But in the likes of the US of A, they don't necessarily have that. They, the amount of holiday days is very different to what we experience in the United Kingdom. So I don't think that can exist together. And I'll quote, again, my Jacob Rees-Mogg, one of the, all of his oh. favourite politicians on this, where he, again, said in Parliament, he doesn't believe that the right to holiday is a absolute moral right. I, and again, I would be simplified to agree with it. Whether something is a moral right or human right is very different to almost a law and a statute book, is it not? So, Archie, I do have a hypothetical for you. <laughs> so, you are a young gentleman and you are working at a bar across in the UK and the pay is exceptional. I'm going to say £14 an hour. For whatever reason, you have a um, a performance um, with your local band. You play with the bands, and it, they happen twice. Uh, no, once every month, uh, every third week of the month. Oh, is it excellent salary, fourteen pounds an hour for bar staff? Apparently, yeah. The the uh, general that one is coming that... coming in is about ninety eight. About ten pounds to eleven pounds an hour. So. Well, you know, you are pushing on nearly being assistant manager. Um, I, I am wonderful behind the bar. Yes. Anyway, you you have to work fr- uh, Fridays or Saturday nights, um, and you have these gigs on occasionally, and because you're a student, so you're studying throughout the day, and you know you have all the commitments on. Well, what music are you playing in these gigs? Or you what? are playing. Um, you're playing uh, heavy metal. Ah, very, very me. Yes, very, very you. Me choice. Yes. yes. Anyway, so your employer. Um, I think I've done the same again. Uh, no. So um, my employer. Yes. Yes. So your employer then goes. Um, you know, we're not going to need you anymore. Um, I need you to either have a, a proper contract, which would see you not. You would have to either say, well, I can't, it's either a normal contract or a zero-hour contract, but you have to be off every couple of weeks for, for these gigs. What would you do? Well, you see, it would be a very predicament scenario, depending on the rest of my lifestyle that I'd have mm. to food on my background. But you've got to you, pay, oh, sorry, and you've got, to, you've got to pay for your rent, yeah, and you've got to pay for all this stuff, you're a young lad. Uh, well, you're a student, so what, what, what grant are you on? Sorry? What what grant do you what what size of maintenance grant do you have? I assume because you're you're working, you have some sort of student loan. You have a maintenance loan from the government. You? Yes, because I'm a student apparently. Oh uh, right, yeah. Gigs. Well, you're a yeah, you're yeah yeah. So you're what, maintenance what maintenance loan are you on? What, do you, what like, band? There's bands. Of oh, yeah. I, I'm not. For the sake of Oliver, he's getting 150 pounds a week maintenance grants. There you go. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. And how much is my rent per week? Your rent. It's about 600 pounds. <laughs> that would be an extortion. No, no. Sorry, rent. a week. Sorry, a week. 600 pounds a week. Sorry, it's 160. Sorry, I was thinking per month. A week I was thinking still. a month. That, 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 that's that's, that's, that's still quite. No, depending that's, on what, what city am I? Uh, Birmingham. I've no idea what the rents are in Birmingham. They're all very. If I'm looking at student so, accommodation, let's say 160 pounds a week. There we are. Yeah. So I therefore don't have to pay rent. I just have to cover my living costs. So is it, does my rent include or exclude bills? Uh, for that price, it should include my bills because I assume yeah. I'm in a shared house. Yeah, yeah. So I have to pay for my food. 
etc. So, if I couldn't negotiate a fixed contract which gave me that time off Mm. every so often, then I would probably find other work at a different bar that would accept my contract. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I Again, I didn't really see... The, the it, hypothetical was not the best. Um, but it really depends on situation. So do do we st- do you still both stand on that the right but, to paid but, holiday but, and sick pay is a fundamental human right? I will press for an answer on this. Because you're opposed to it. Um, no, I'm interested. Because you, but but uh, what I, know, I want to see let, is, Archie, let, let, under let a circumstance refre- that you need holiday and you need sick pay, as you as an individual... I couldn't have a zero-hour contract with holiday pay and sick pay because it doesn't exist within a zero-hour contract. But 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 when you... But but how would you cope as an individual when you when you need... When you are reliant I would ha- on... I, I, I don't understand the situation because if I was on a zero-hour contract, my contract does not necessarily include holiday and sick pay. Some employers may give me holiday and sick pay. That's what I'm saying Depends under on the normal. Employer. That's what I'm no, saying. On... No, and under normal... Mm. Employment structure. Sorry, they have no, to give you no, holiday. And so sick under, pay. so under zero hour. So I, zero. I don't have a right to it. Okay, but if you, right, yeah. Can we? Yeah. So I'm just asking. I'm just asking you if you do you still believe that yes. zero hour contracts yeah. should exist yeah. in the form they do, and that alongside that, paid holiday and sick pay should be a fundamental human right. Uh, I'll pass over to Luke first. Okay. I'll probably agree with him. I can't really speak on terms of holiday pay, but for, say, sick pay within a zero-hour contract, if, you know, legislation cannot simply enforce it to be implemented within zero-hour contracts, could I make the suggestion that that responsibility then falls upon the government to pay you your sick pay? Well, the government does, from my understanding, have... A benefit for that. Yeah. It's already, for example, in the Isle of Man, they're, they're already the benefit already exists because when they removed the COVID support payment for people off work with COVID, who perhaps had zero-hour contracts, they were then suggested to contact the benefit office because there's already a benefit which covered it just at a lower, lower rate. But it, uh, so you wouldn't you wouldn't agree with the onerous being on the company or the employer? Well, obviously. I'd I'd agree that um, the responsibility falls upon the employer, but you know there's all the the legalities around it, and it, I just don't know whether it'd be even possible to include sick pay and holiday pay within a zero hour contract because obviously you are not entitled to any working hours. So, but but you know it, it kind of contradicts the statement because. There is so so many there was benefits to zero hour contracts, but as I just said before, it contradicts the statement. But 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 surely through the use of benefits um, to um, provide you with that income whilst you're sick, surely is that not the government agreeing with the stance that sick pay is a fund- human, uh, fundamental human right? Well, the, the fundamental human right is something I would argue, under the understanding, being a universal declaration of human rights. It's a human right that everyone, every single human, should have. Um, the right to sick pay is what I'd take a universal, uh, it's fundamental human right as. But the government is it, not necessarily that. 
it's just paying to it's paying a benefit. We have a welfare state. If you're out of work, you can get a job seekers allowance. That's all within it. It's not saying it's a fundamental human right. They can go and take it away. It's not written into any sort of human rights bill, is what I'm saying. It's just a statutory requirement, again, if you have a contract that there is sick pay generally and holiday pay included in that. With my understanding of statutory contracts, mm. uh, is correct. So I, I just think it surely contradicts if we have a zero-hour contract, we think that's a good thing. If you were to then in, in, introduce the need for holiday and sick pay within that, it surely would be unfair on the employer who would have to pay sick pay to someone who didn't work any hours or holiday pay to someone who didn't work any hours and it would be different to your normal contract because again it's a zero hour contract it comes without those benefits that's why it exists well i think that's but it leads us it leads us on to our next topic of discussion actually in a very very good way because we're discussing their statutory payments payments from the government it leads us on to the very complex issue that is the universal basic income. Uh, it's, it's very much lauded by politicians and the likes of, from memory, Jeremy Corbyn and, and these uh, so- socialist extravaganzas, the tofu-eating, Guardian-reading, uh, woke karate, dare I say, the anti-growth coalition. So, UBI, good thing or not, Oliver? Um... I'm I'm not too well informed on it to be honest. Um, I, th- I think um, what is it like? Um, he didn't do his pre-reading before podcast started. Um, now he's had a whole week of half term to discuss it. I've as well. been very busy with other other such things, such as a zero-hour contract job. Thank you very much. So uh, Oliver, <laughs> if you were a university student in a bar. <laughs> and you need yes. Uh, anyway, you. That was the worst. Job. I'm. So, I may. I apologise to listeners before for my waffle. It's, and it's not. Awful it's not the worst I've heard before. So you're perfectly safe. From me. No, uh, just in general. Yes. Well, I think my my just don't listen to what anything I've said so far. Oh, there was a fat. I, I should mention this example. Going off topic, horrendously as we usually do, but there's a fantastic example where I was arguing against someone, and it was about the issue again. It's about pay. It was about the gender pay gap. I asked them if they thought the gender... If they, it was actually a discussion about gender. And they thought gender was a social construct that didn't really exist. So I asked, is the gender pay gap also a social construct? And they answered me very firmly, no, it is entirely real. So I asked them, the gender, the gender pay gap is based on gender, which you've just argued is a social construct and not real. So how can the gender pay gap also not be linked they, 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 they fail to see the dichotomy of their views that in one hand gender was a social construct and didn't exist and on the other the gender pay gap was a really important and pertinent issue that entirely existed and needed to be dealt with so I think I remember you telling yes. me this and I thought yeah crikey not much um, thought behind what they were saying yes uh, but we're all men on the podcast today at least I assume so we, we can't possibly discuss this gender pay gap it would be horrendously sexist of us all white well, white males well you brought it up so uh... yes so UBI good thing or not then Luke well from my perspective you know I'm not 18 yet, I'm 18 next month. But say I turn 18 next month. Well, many happy returns for next month. Oh, thank you very much, Archer. <laughs> so say I am 18 and the Isle of Man had UBI, say, £700 a month. From my perspective, I want that in my bank account right now. But 
this is this is where I think the UBI is flawed because how are you paying for that UBI? Say through increased taxes, but then what ta- what are you taxing? Is is it for say tax on the highest income earners? Because if you're just increasing their tax, they'll they'll go somewhere else. They'll go somewhere like I, I think Bali. They they're trying to bring in um, new people through for example i think it's called the digital nomad um yes yeah the digital nomad scheme or whatever it is you know they'll just go somewhere else and then now we do not have the means and capital to fund such ubi but if you look at the uk for example as a country rather than of man which has a lower tax rate the UK already has a 45 pence in the pound tax rate on high earners. And they're almost a captive market. They stay in the UK. Those who are um, want, they don't want that tax paid have already left the UK because it's still an extortionate rate of tax that Liz Truss was supposed to remove before she became a member of the wokey-cokey anti-growth coalition described as U-turn on that policy. But into that substance... It could be funded, some say, by getting rid of the benefit system as it stands and replacing it with UBI. Uh, and it would apparently alleviate pressures on our NHS, on our health service, on the benefit system and all of that. So they say it can be funded by means you may increase the top rate of tax ever so slightly, or corporation tax ever so slightly, and it funds it, is what they'd say to that funding issue. Um... But I would come in with a different stance. Is it morally right that we pay everyone, no matter if they do any work or not, a global basic wage? Or oh, no, sorry, not a global basic wage, a universal basic income. And that's that's a, a good question, because obviously there are some people... Um, I believe the Alamann has a very, very, very low unemployment rate. I, I don't know the it's, figures. It's uh, about 300, I think. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. exceptionally low. So, I'm I'm not sure what they are entitled to per month through the benefit system, but um, uh, yeah, I I well, don't there's, there's, again the, the there's many people on benefits still in work. Yes, who would not be again classed in that unemployed sector. Hmm. So, but the, then you have to figure out, you know. Will they be better off or worse? Like, so say, c- can you give me a figure what this universal basic income is per per month? Well, it, it depends. It depends on what we decide the universal basic income mm. is. Some may suggest five hundred pounds a month, five thousand a year. Some may suggest ten thousand a year. Some may suggest one thousand a year. There's there's not a set suggestion. It's up to the, the implementer to decide. Yeah. Say, five hundred pounds a month. I do not think is enough to um to live on this is this is if they're not working and what if they are working that extra five thousand uh five hundred sorry uh pounds a month that can be the difference between um you know eating healthily throughout the month or not um oops yeah, no, no, no. Carry on. Oh, I thought you were about to jump in there. Um, I, 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 my, my mind's kind of gone on from the topic and what was in my head. Um, 
Can I? Yeah, I, I, I've got a point to raise here, which is the fact that uh, from from doing my uh, pre-podcast uh, research, well, I thought you were very familiar <laughs> with the global, uh, the universal basic income. I or... am, I am. So this is the the, the point that I'd like to raise, ah, which is uh, which is the fact that um, everyone gets this universal basic income. Hence the name Universal. Yes, it gives money to those who don't necessarily need it, and that's yes. that's a that's a a, a a con to it in in a way, and I and I I think that that is a downside to it, and surely it's a bit of wastage for the government, really. I I I'd be in entire yeah. agreement, but yeah, probably the the best thing I've said all day. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> I agree. So it has to be all that. Um, I forgot. I mean, there's, there's actually there's another better thing coming up later. There on is, the yes, the best thing I'll ever, ever say on the podcast. Um, but if we if we talk about universal basic income. There's there's been interesting studies about how um, actually I, I won't go into I won't go into that I'll go into that in a minute. Mm. But universal basic income, yes, it will be paid for everyone, and yes, you you argue Luke, that if you're, you're correct, five hundred pounds is not enough to live on if you are not working. But is the point not there that they should go and get work? That they should put labour, fruits of labour, in the food, and even you then talk about people who are working. Remember the. It will, I argue, fuel inflation because the amount of money going to the system that everyone has, the spending power of everyone, goes up by £500 a month. They can buy £500 more of goods, except actually they can't buy £500 more worth of goods because everyone has that ability to buy £500 worth more of goods. The amount of goods isn't potentially increased. Inflation rises. It's, it's the basic economic graph. So, it's surely it would benefit people less than not having it at all well that that uh the the, the problem with inflation it did arise in my head and obviously I, I i i think this might be one of the rare occasions where i agree with archibald where the, the ubi in my opinion is is flawed because hmm. you you are given everybody you know the same amount of money Say say five hundred pounds, um, and then uh, you have to. It's it's going into the realms of capitalism, where mm. there has <laughs> to be a wealth divide in order for a capitalistic society. Would you to disagree prosper. with the wealth divide? Obviously, I disagree with the wealth divide. Interesting. Why? Why? Well, let's say for so many people, there are people are presented with limited possibilities due to um, their background, for say, than uh, compared to somebody of um, a let's say higher class, higher class. So let's say. A hypothetical, a hypothetical. Oh, we love one of them. <laughs> let, let's let's put young Oliver in the situation. He is from a the background of um of the, a family who are on the breadline. They go to unnamed unnamed Isle of Man High School. <laughs> and why unnamed? And and <laughs> Archibald, he's from a family. Of use the term old money, 
he goes to unnamed private school on the Isle of Man, of which there are many. Archibald, because he is provided with that opportunity of private education, therefore receiving better education, therefore... Not necessarily. necessarily. I, I would argue you are receiving a better education say private school classes on unnamed isle of man uh private school i think the average is like 15 per class that's an average yes but so, my yeah. point to examples it depends on what subject and again in state schools you can have lower um you can have lower class sizes Yes, but we're using. Yeah, let's give this hypothetical. Example. Yeah, we're, we're using the hypothetical example <laughs> hypothetical on, on the remember, on yes. the Isle of Man. Say, the unnamed high school I go to, the the rough average class size was about twenty five. So, because of your financial opportunity, not opportunity, sorry, uh, your financial position, you're provided with the opportunity to be within a lower class size. Therefore, you're receiving um, higher, um, I'd say, higher levels of engagement with your teacher. Whereas, unnamed said, um, uh, Oliver, Oliver was named, sorry. Um, I, I, I thought you were about to say, uh, un, un, Oliver, the street urchin. <laughs> no. Um, Oliver, because he doesn't have the um, financial means to go to unnamed said uh, private school, he he, and because of his financial position, he um, the, he does not have such resources to study at home, say via this laptop, which I am holding up to zero camera. Um, so because, but does Oliver not have? Let's say yes, you could agree. Schooling may be better with one, schooling may be worse with the other. If that's what we're taking the hypothetical example, but. Schooling does not equal wealth, necessarily. There's plenty of um, self-made millionaires and billionaires, in fact, who don't have very much schooling at all. It's not a predicament of wealth or the wealth divide or not. In this country, I'm sure you'd agree, someone can make millions without access to large opportunity. It may be harder, I I, I can sympathise, than the person with wealth and opportunity, but the, the difference still isn't there. Or, or the hypothetical Oliver in this example has every much the same opportunity to make, to hit bank, to, uh, as, as they may say, to become a big capitalist pig at the top of the pile. Every same opportunity as Billy Boy who went to, to, went to a public school. Um, I, I, I would disagree. Obviously, he does have, um, you know, the... I won't say opportunity, but but the potential to um, succeed and prosper. But that there are so many roadblocks in the way, such as you know, I'm going to go back to schooling um, and uh, family situations at home. Whereas said said um, so-called Billy Boy would simply just not have to experience through his life. Therefore, and and would that not surely make Billy Boy less profitable? Because if you think about it, Billy Boy hasn't learnt the value of hard work per se. He merely subsides within that bracket. But in, instead, uh, Oliver over here in this hypothetical example has to work for what he has. 
So he maybe has a better work ethic. So the difference there with wealth disparity surely will always exist, even if you have a communist society. If we look at the Soviet Union, where they tried to create equality, they tried to remove that wealth gap. They still had the party members, they still had the hads and the had-nots. Surely it's... Uh, yes, we can argue there could be more class and cohesion or social mobility, as they like to say. But but is it inherently wrong? How would you how would you suggest we we fix it? Fix the the wealth divide. Yes. Tax the rich. <laughs> but would they then not all move away to these nomad digital nomad hides such as Bali? Yes. Or the um... or the Barbados. I think it was Barbados or Bermuda had a wonderful program uh, where you paid a, a two 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 thousand. You got tax tax break and everything. That was looked like a rather good program out in the sunny Caribbean, just with the risk of a few tornadoes uh, at its display. So yes, but going going back to, I can't remember what we're talking We're talking about something to do yeah, with the global basic wage in the communist, and uh, a capitalist society which we live in. And one more maybe, maybe the, 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 the eating reach capitalism, the big one which wants to create monopolies, isn't the most beneficial towards the worker, but the state paying it out, I don't think does the same. It, UBI lowers incentive to work. If you can just sit at home, let's say it's not a 5,000 UBI, it's a UBI which you can live off to give everyone the ability to live. Why would they then want to go out to work? They have their home provided for them, they have the food provided for them. There's no incentive to go out and better oneself, as, as to say. But in the issue with the wealth divide, there is uh, that want there if created to go and better oneself through the means where the state provides education. It's not like in hundreds of centuries gone by where the state doesn't provide education. Education opportunities are only limited to the classes which can afford it. So surely we are in a better position now. If we look at the Isle of Man, for one, there's a, I'd say, a rather generous grant from the government for, uh, which is a grant from the government for tuition, and then the maintenance loan, which is afforded. If Again, it depends on a lot of other factors. But if you point to a family like, uh, to say John, uh, John Bloggs over there, whose family's on the breadline, um, he would he would qualify for that grant from the government um, to go and better his own education. So it, it it does come down to uh, so it's the question of uh, would a UBI fix this? I don't believe UBI would fix this, but the overall wealth divide it surely says <laughs> we almost go we could go for an hour debate on capitalism versus other means. Oliver, we we haven't got Oliver's Oliver stayed um, dangerously silent here, hasn't he? What were we saying on how a wealth divide? Wealth divide on how, the wealth how divide. How the wealth divide? Or should the wealth? I suppose we should ask the question: Does the UBI solve the wealth divide? Not necessarily, because it gives, like I said, like the point I mentioned earlier, it gives people who don't need money money. I forgot about Oliver's point. Very yeah. good point, Oliver. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Although do, maybe they do need money. Maybe their money is tied up in offshore trusts. <laughs> they can't access them because the tax man will know. Mm. Um, but yes, I do. I do. Must move us on after our interesting discussion on <laughs> UBI and um, on zero context. I have most to say I have enjoyed greatly. It's been very, very good. You've been grilling us, and, you... <laughs> and uh, you've been grilling me, Oliver, yeah, with those hypotheticals. Yeah. So uh, do you <laughs> thought experiment. This is one grilled from... you to, to smithereens because they've been so awful. <laughs> <laughs> they've not been, I, Oliver. I have. I honestly, I have heard much worse. Um, 
So, uh, again, I've done some awful atrocities with hypothetical in my times. Um, but yes, this comes from the pig that wants to be eaten. And it's more, um, less economical matter, my preference. I don't, uh, discussing economics at long length is uh, terribly dry, I find, at times. Especially, if, but if you do want to read a dry but very interesting economics book, I recommend The Euro by Stiglitz. Uh, Nobel Prize winning economist, but it's a fa- fascinating book on the, the Euro uh, as such. I won't spoil the story for you. But yes, uh, Oliver, without further ado, the... Indeed, indeed. Oh, oh they've just introduced just turns the fanfare for me. It just seems to be the fact that my uh, microphone is indeed uh, turned down. Um, so that leaves me with no further than ado to give us the fanfare, which does not seem to want to play, uh, which is interesting. And that'll be why, because I had the button turned off. It just so happened to be that my um, my laptop screen was covering the thing. So for one more time, to introduce Archie again. Yes, so it comes to our wonderful thought experiment of the week. This is number 65, nipping it in the bud. And no, it's not talking about nipping it in the bud with uh, children to stop them being naughty, or uh, otherwise nipping a rosebud to stop it growing. No, it is talking about morals again in politics. Fun favourite of the podcast. So it comes from, as usual, the pig that wants to be eaten by uh, Julius Baganini. So... The president lowered his voice and said, what are, you, what you are suggesting is illegal. Yes, indeed, Mr. President, replied the general. But you have to ask yourself how best to protect the lives of your citizens. The situation is simple. Tatum is determined to both mount a campaign of ethnic cleansing in his own country and to launch military attacks on us. Our intelligence tells us that he is almost alone in this view and that if we were able to take him out, he would be replaced by the far more moderate Nesta. Yes, but if you talk about us taking him out, assassination of a foreign leader is contrary to international law. The general sighed. But, Mr. President, you must see how simple your choice is. One bullet, followed by a few more as security services clean up afterwards, will be enough to avert a widespread massacre and probable war. I know you don't want blood of a foreign leader on your hands, but would you prefer to be drowning in the blood of thousands of his and your own people? That's the thought experiment, uh, nipping it in the bud. It's a rather complex one here, whether our own intolerable morals should supersede that of law or international law. Is the law always right? So I pose the question to whoever wants to take up the proverbial football first. Should we obey the law or should we obey our morals? Which supersedes the other or, in fact, should we weigh them in tandem? Well, I, I knew Luke could uh, go to me there. Should we obey the law? Um, no, no, no. Should we obey the law or should we obey our morals? Or should they work in tandem? Which supersedes the other? Remember, we're talking about a president. Uh, should he assassinate that leader of a foreign country who may form an ethnic cleansing uh, campaign? I think we should, do, we should do a bit of both. What should the president do then here? Um, oh, I don't I don't. I'm not. Should he assassinate the, the, the leader, Tatum? 
who's going to who's going to have an ethnic uh, campaign, ethnic cleansing campaign, and launch military attacks on us. But, uh, but maybe he should assassinate him after he maybe done it, did the attacks. But prior to that, so Oliver is advising the president to let the attacks happen on his own country <laughs> and then assassinate Tatum. Well, because what? Why would you kill him if he wasn't actually going to do it? That's the because other thing. The evidence has shown he will. And okay, we'll kill we, him we, then. But, but yeah, okay. Simple answer from Oliver. <laughs> Usually ever diplomatic and elusive with these sorts of things. Nah, kill him. I, I come to you, Luke. What, what, what should the president do? Uh, I'm going to have to agree with uh, Oliver here. Just, just plain and simple, get rid of him before hey, hey. we have uh, bloodshed. Uh, I think that calls for another fanfare. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, I think we are. We are. We are. Agree- we are in agreement here. But let's play on this hypothetical a little more, as I like to do. Extrapolate from the thought experiment. Let's say, in fact, it's for economic means that the president is assassinating Tatum because Tatum will stop the US having the oil of the country. Oh, I don't think economic means it should should no, it wouldn't so be. So what's right. the only means you would agree with the president breaking international laws? Would it be blood only bloodshed? I think so, yes, yes. I'd agree. Yes. Or the uh, uh, very good. Well, we... Unless you have another hypothetical. <laughs> no, I think that's it's the hypothetical of... show. We've had enough of hypotheticals this week. Hy- hypothetical babble, we should call it. Instead of political yes, babble, should we indeed. just do hypothetical babble instead of political babble? Well, yes. Well, we come <laughs> on to our next favourite part of yes. the show, which is once again play a little bit of music. I'm not even sure what this music was originally for. It was supposed to be for our historical figure of the week. And I suppose they are a historical figure of the week because they are Miss Liz Truss, former UK Prime Minister. And who did you want to replace Liz Truss, Oliver? I wanted Boris. Sorry, I didn't quite. He had that. the mandate. Sorry, there's peaks going on. I need to. I need to be a bit quieter. I'm going to break the mic. Um, uh, we need Boris. We needed Boris, and we will have Boris again for the 2024 general election because he is the only one with a mandate from the people. I'm very glad you said that, Oliver. But yes, we turn on to the Tory party special. I love Boris, PM 2024. Very good. I I, apl- I applaud that, Oliver. So, yes, we've now got, as Oliver's written, dishy, fishy, rishy. <laughs> or as uh, Joe Biden uh, pronounced, what was it, um... Russia Sunak? No, Sun- Sunuk. 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 And then, did you see that video of uh, Rishi on the phone? Oh, yeah. And he goes, ah, he goes, uh, Rishi goes, hello, Mr. Prime Minister. And uh, no, Mr. President. It doesn't quite sound Sorry. like that, Oliver. <laughs> well, okay, we'll just get Will from in between us off. He sounds exactly like him. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he goes, oh, uh, hello, hello, Mr. President. And, uh, it's it's Rishi and uh, and Prime Minister. Goes, oh, hello, Mr. Prime Minister. It's great to speak to you today. Yeah, so they they always do always ugh, funny, funny with Joe Biden. Remember his. Mo- I, I should give a similar example of his motivational speech. You know what really gets me up in the morning. Well, the morning it's a, it's a wonderful thing that that that, that sun and, and it's a wonderful thing that gets me up in the morning. Um, anyway, wait, never mind. That was an inspirational speech. I I can't quite get the clip, so I can't play it over. Would you um, like me to? No, no, don't uh, need. No, no, no. So, 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 so. so, 
Yes, all we have a question for for you, Luke. Do uh, we? General election? Oh, Should yeah. there be one? Right now, right now, as as yeah. as um as cross party. Well, apart from the well, um, other the opposition and the other parties in Westminster are calling for a general election because you know Rishi has no mandate. Um, well, I, well I, 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 actually, Oliver, before we pick up uh, Luke Spain, I shall. I shall disagree with you. I know what you're going to say. Rishi they got, has a no, mandate. Can I say why? Because, because the mandate they... is not for the leader. Yeah, they don't elect the leader. Party. They elect the party. And if he carries out the 2019 manifesto, he entirely knew... has the mandate of the country. I knew you were going to say that. I just knew it. So fair enough. Fair play. Fair play. So in yes, the Luke, should there be a general election? I'm going to give two answers. I think there should be a general election, but there won't be a general election. <laughs> Well, yes, we know that. Yes. We know there won't be. Why should there be a general Why election? Why should there be a general election? Because, um, you know, the UK's confidence in the Conservative Party is at an all-time low. I can't remember the figures. I saw it on Twitter, and I, I can assure you it was a um, a uh, reputable source. Um, YouGov, that was it. Um, the Conservative Party, should there be a general election at the moment would uh, be on course for a record low number of seats um, with... Uh, what, about 22, wasn't it? Yes, 22, that was it. I don't know, you know... I, I, I think personally that the poll was very disreputable uh, with, with the seats calculation because it entirely depends on constituency um, and they don't have the constituency data from YouGov. But actually, I think they... Um, they I, I think actually more of them... I don't think that's an all-time low now. It was lower after Truss's mini-budget, I think. The confidence shrunk. Mm. With Rishi, the markets have recovered. I think there's more confidence in our government. There's a percentage here from YouGov. 68% thought Liz, Rishi Sunet would be better than Liz Truss. 41% thought that he would be better than Boris Johnson. Again, these um, about all about the same. They think he'll be better or the same. Or he'll be better than Theresa May. He'll be better again than uh, David Cameron. He'll be better than Gordon Brown. So it's just, it's interesting these parts. I think there's actually more hope with Rishi Sunak than the prime ministers before. Well, fair enough. Well, I I want to move on to yourself, Luke. So tell us a bit about you going off to um, the Commonwealth Youth Parliaments. How did that? come around i know you were you were an outstanding awarded with outstanding contributor at junior timwald in in july of this year uh for your contribution you moved a motion and uh it successfully passed i mean it didn't uh, obviously officially because you know it's junior timwald it's the isle of man's version of the youth parliament and now you're going on the world stage to the commonwealth youth parliament organized by the cpa which is the um commonwealth parliamentary association correct so um yeah T- tell me, so, tell me, tell me more, tell me more. Uh, I will tell. No, the no Greece, no Greece reference. I, 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 <laughs> What's the Greece reference? Oh, I don't get it. Yeah, tell no. me more, tell me more. Do you know? Tell me, it's from. It's, it's, it's as usual with all these modern pop culture. It's over my head. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Greece is actually quite a classic now. Modern pop culture. Yeah. Okay. It's no, it's no Gilbert and Sullivan. So, <laughs> it's no gentleman. You know that song? What's it called? Uh, oh gotten the song from uh, Gilbert and Sullivan's one of their shows I am the merry man I am the you know the really quick the uh... oh I, I, I yes um, <laughs> it, it's, it's no it's no this one <laughs> go on go on 
It's just, it's just is it what? Where is it? There we are. Can you no, hold no, it no, a bit no, closer no, to the that, mic? It's, it's the wrong, it's the entirely wrong one. I've got the wrong one. Uh, there, there we are. I think this is one's it. Here we go. Um, Not too close, please. Yes, What's this one? I like this one. Yes, the Major General, that's the one. Yes! I am the very model of a modern Major General. I've information, vegetable, animal, and mineral. I know the kings of England, and I quote the fights historical from Marathon to Waterloo in order categorical. I am very well acquainted to with matters mathematical. I understand equations both the simple and quadratical about binomial theorems and teaming of a lot of news. <laughs> lot of news. Huh? Yes, that is the one. Yes, it's, it's anyway. one. This was actually from a recording at... Uh, it's one of my favourite recordings that you can find on YouTube. It's from uh, Canada's Stratford Festival in, in 1985. That's where the recording comes from. It's a wonderful uh, production of it. Anyway, that's enough for the musical references. Um, Luke, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're not you're, sorry. You're <laughs> We're not sorry. Uh, carry on. <laughs> so, I'll tell you the full story. So, I was playing a football match for Castletown Metropolitan Football Club. It was a combination match against, I believe, Douglas Royal. Was this your last combination match? No. Oh. Your second to last. Goal. Second to last. Um, I believe we beat them like two two nil. Don't quote me on that. Okay. So, I'm getting the bus back from um, our marvelous victory, to which I open uh, my phone to see a message from the Honourable June Watterson, SHK, who is forwarding um, information about the CPA Commonwealth Youth Parliament. Now, at that time. I had absolutely no clue um, that this was a um, that this was going to take place. So I will f- forever be thankful to Virgin, uh informing me about it. Um, and um, so it's he sent a link of which it had the application details, which was um, a three three hundred word. Not essay, but just 300 Why words. I should do it. Why yeah. I'd be suitable. Yes. I believe the questions were, how would you benefit from the experience and how would the Isle of Man benefit from your experience? Now, I don't have uh, my PDF up right now, so no, 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 I, no, no, I cannot no. give my answer. That's all right. So, not worried. Yes. Not an issue. So I submitted that like three days before the August 31st deadline. Mm-hmm. And then I waited like two two weeks, and I was um, dare I say napping at lunchtime in in the common room. I open my phone and I see an email from uh, a lady saying, um, "Hello, Luke. We'd like to inform you that um, your application has been successful." We will now begin the process of uh, applying on behalf of the Isle of Man CPA branch to the CPA uh, to confirm your position. So that's that's. So what does what, so what does this consist of then? You going? So, it consists of both. I want to say lectures from um, 
various Commonwealth parliamentary figures. And then there is almost like a mock parliamentary sitting of which you debate motions. Um, well, I, I can bring up the website. <laughs> yeah, no worries. So how long is this going to be taking place for? It's, it's a very it's a very good thing for the Isle of Man, so, you know, for you to sort of network and put the Isle of Man out on a global stage. I hope you're going to get yourself a lovely uh, Manx tie or a lovely Manx badge or whatever. Uh, that, that'd, be, that'd be great. And hopefully, uh, you know, have, have good dialogue with the other counterparts there and, uh, you know, just... just uh, just have a great time connecting with people really and i'm sure you'll make some uh, fabulous uh, connections and uh, i'm sure it'll be worthwhile yeah um, yeah well that's exciting um so in the meantime we'll she'll go on to our final stage of the the podcast i wish you all the we- the best there luke and hopefully i might do a little uh, recording with you to see how it went what you learn and how that indeed, went indeed yes and when we could fun. or we could bring you back on at post whatever suits you um post uh, cpa uh, commonwealth parliament i mean you you're not i've sort of asked questions but you're not really going to know how it plays out until you go will you yes. but um, it's exciting anyway for the Isle of Man and Can you not tell the future uh, <laughs> no i don't think you <laughs> Sadly can Sadly not Anyway, we shall move on oh, to... I, I know Oliver's the best here at Predicting the Future, so I very much trust that Boris will be back for 2024. He probably he probably will, to be honest. He, he wants to be anyway. In the meantime, uh, we shall... Um, if Mother PC reloads... Should do. It's being a bit slow and temperamental today. I have to say so. Anyway, we should have a quick, brief look... At... Some of the local news. Well, Archie's having a gripe with the Isle of Man government at the moment in regards to spending and especially their um, benefits sort of scheme over child me- meals oh. over Christmas. Mr. Speaker's uh, portrait cost £7,200 and was revealed the other week in front of members of Parliament and other guests. So, these are the two main headlines we're looking at this week as a short insight into Isle of Man current affairs. Well, Archie, you're having a a bit of a gripe on social media the other day with the Isle of Man government over spending and other such means. Tell us more. They're they're far, far too inefficient with their general spending, so it seems quite entertaining when they... Well, not entertaining, it's a bit bit sad and a bit unfortunate and Mm -hmm. quite disheartening when they decide not to go ahead with schemes that cost very little but are actually extraordinarily effective. So in the summer, they ran for children on free school meals. They ran different events for them. They they gave them vouchers, food and all of that rigmarole. And they've chosen not to run that question by uh, Jason Morehouse. They opposed to Kate Lord Brennan, the the, minister, Lord Brennan, as a cabinet minister, and asking about if the similar scheme was going to be run in December and so on over Christmas. And they decided that there was no current plan to do that. And I think it's a great shame if a plan like that doesn't go ahead, because the cost is absolutely minimal to a government who wastes, for example, £35 million on a new ferry terminal over budget. So it was already going to cost £35 million, and it's been another £35 million. We'll go over budget on a promenade scheme or waste money left, right and centre, but on a scheme which doesn't actually cost extraordinarily much, but does a large difference, they won't even seek to fund. And that, and that I find slightly 
unfortunate and disheartening, considering we're a Christian country and it's Christmas, after all. We should surely have a bit of humanity with it. Well, I, I think you do make a fair point there. Um, but um, I suppose it's one of those things. Um, government can't provide all the time, can they? Uh, you know, the role of the role of government isn't to be there for, for everything and for... So you don't everyone. believe they should, should fund the scheme like this, Oliver? Um, no, I do, I do. But I think at the moment in time, government are trying to, you know, tighten, tighten, the, tighten the spending. But it's, but it's, again, it's a minimal, minimal cost. Well, it is, but, you know, government even if overspend cost, on all even, sorts. Even if the cost was... That's, this is giving directly food vouchers. Mm, yeah. That, it would, yeah. The cost wouldn't yeah, be okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think, it sh- I think it should be happening then. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now, Luke, yes, you should ask your opinion. I, I think it's... I wouldn't say an outrage, but it's wholly, wholly disappointing that they're not going to provide uh, this scheme over the winter. I believe... During COVID lockdown, they yes. had a similar uh, similar scheme in place. But then they're saying we simply don't have the means to fund it. But then you have to look at where... Well, I don't think they said... They didn't say oh. they had the mean, didn't have the means to fund it. They're just cutting down on spending. No, no, they, they just they didn't, didn't plan to introduce one. They, there was no plans mm. to introduce one. But, right. but then you could... You could uh, points out funds which could have been used to fund the scheme being spent on um, roadworks for example i want to say it's richmond hill as you're going down into douglas that had to be resurfaced twice over the period of like two years because they contracted a company um, from across uh, they did not do the job well and I, I don't think they did it at the right time so the concrete I don't know what surface it is I'm not a very expert well, it's, it's micro asphalt yes. yeah, it did not um, set on the ground so they had to I don't know if they actually had to pay them again to come back over or uh, they the, the contractors had to fork it out themselves but you can obviously points to other infrastructure schemes such as the promenade which is way 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 over budget and how nah. they're... it's worth it for those painted roundels it's just oh, about yeah. right in my view <laughs> jokes <laughs> totally not joking <laughs> and they're spending i i can't really i i, I can't remember but it, it was in the thousands just to de-rust the rails for the horse trams along the pram the the pram no, the prom. That, that, again, again, the, I these these costs there. I I I know my qualms don't lay with those costs mm. to say because I think it was just poor fiscal for, for, forecasting for it, and they overran. But they made they made the, the contractor work because they didn't, uh, and that, that didn't cost necessarily more the, over, the end bit over budget. Um, but it's more for the like like the ferry terminal. That's a very large saving they could have made, or and that's the ineffective spending I think overall contributes to it. It's not actually one scheme which you could say could redistribute it. And the main point was that, uh, for example, there's no holiday activities or thingy, uh, or providers putting towards a proposal towards government as had done in the summer. So that was one argument against why they hadn't chosen to introduce anything over winter. But again, my main qualm is why not at least provide some sort of food voucher where they could buy actual food. It, it can only be sent on food 
It's very specifically, very targeted. And that at least makes sure they're eating well over the Christmas period as we are supposed to be charitable over Christmas. It's the entire message of, of, the, of the Christianity. We, we are supposed to be charitable to, to these people. So that's, again, something qualm I have. But Oliver, I think, expects wants to talk about Mr. Speaker's portrait. Yes, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure whether uh, Archie or Luke have seen Mr. Speaker's... Yes, I have. So it was clearly done in advance before the end of the parliamentary term last because obviously if he's not if he wasn't elected back in as speaker yes, they yes. would have had to have put the portrait straight up because as soon as he's or no actually it's when he leaves the the house yes, it's yes. not actually when he's no longer speaker it's when he actually leaves the house of keys um yeah so but it could take the, a year even if he had left yeah. it might have been commissioned yeah, yeah. he's probably just commissioned lately because he may intend to stand Ex- down extremely extremely great artist to uh and and fabulous portrait but yes the cost is rather expensive but most of the cost was sorry I, I would have thought that's an in seven thousand for, for no portrait, i know i know yeah reasonable. yeah i know i i agree um i i just think that the the that maybe they could have done it in a cheaper way. I mean, it was very good. <laughs> they could have taken a photograph. <laughs> they got all of that she wants to say. They could have done. <laughs> if you want to do it on the cheap, but on the other hand, it is incredible. Really is. But usually in, in these things, art. you do pay for what you get. Yeah, you just certainly do. Uh, and I mean, in regards to actually, it, they they paid the painter. I don't know how much it was. Five thousand something, whatever. The, the actual expenses for him, the painter, to get over, and the other bits weren't actually too expensive, but. I just thought it was an interesting point to raise that it's been painted, it's, you know, waiting to be hung. It might be a while, it could be 30-odd years. Rob Callister seemed to be very enthusiastic yeah. on social media at getting it uh, hung on the wall. Uh, yes. A bit too enthusiastic, uh, Mr Speaker did say. Well, uh, I think that concludes uh, today's podcast. Thank you, Luke, for, for having us on. Um, have it, ha- having I, you on. For, sorry. <laughs> For having Thanks, you on. Luke, for coming on. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Thank um, you. Yes, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been a an experience. Yeah. And uh, do you have anything further to say, Archie? Or yeah, do you, yes, Luke, yes. do you have any further further to say to our listeners? Um, if you are in sick form at Castle Russian High School, come along to the CRHS Debating Society. When will it be taking place? Sometime next term. Okay. <laughs> they don't know yet. Keep no. in touch with uh, Luke Ennitz, then uh, yes. sick former at Castle Russian High School. Yes. Well, uh, that does conclude. This is supposed to be our outro music. It's a bit different. Oh, yes, I think I'll... Uh, we... Sorry, Archie. This must be an old version, but yes, yeah. that concludes the wonderful uh, podcast that is Polita Babble for this week. We hopefully shall be back in your ears at some point next week so if you do want to listen back to prior episodes you can find them on manxradio.com forward slash podcasts forward slash politibabble that is manxradio.com forward slash podcasts forward slash politibabble and as usual do get in touch if there's anything you wish to discuss or have any complaints or queries or general comments on a political nature and be more than happy to engage on that